I don't know why, but the winter rain stopped and spring came early in 1945 when Hitler committed suicide at the end of April. The flowers and trees were in full bloom and the summer birds returned to their nesting grounds. Not long after the great dictator's corpse was incinerated in a bomb crater by its few remaining acolytes. The war in Europe ended. After so much death, ruin and misery, it was remarkable to me how nature resiliently budded back to life in barns and fields and across battlegrounds. Now calm and silent, the earth said to her children, it is time to abandon your swords and harness your ploughs. The ground is ripe and this is the season to tend to the living. And so begins my memoir about life and love at the end of the Second World War called Love Amongst the Ruins. I began this episode of Harry's Last Stand with that passage because you and I have been talking for over an hour in this pub but I haven't even scratched the surface of what makes me tick which is why I am reaching into my wallet to fetch a picture taken long ago of me and a young woman who would become my wife. Now that that photo is in your hands, you can see we are in a canoe on calm waters. I am paddling and she is sitting recumbent with her left hand trailing in the water. It was taken in Hamburg in the summer of 1946, when the world still grieved for the millions who had been killed, trying to rid it of fascism and Nazism. When I look at my young face in that photo, staring out towards my future, I think my arrival to love was worth the perilous journey. You probably realized earlier on that in many ways I am a very simple man. And you're right, because throughout my life, all I've desired was to know that I was loved and that I could love equally back without reservation or ego. I also wanted a life that was comfortable, interesting and purposeful. Looking back, I think I got most of that. And that is because the construction of the welfare state meant my emotional well-being was just as important 
as my physical health. When I was a teenager, my heart ached because I felt I was so backward from the poverty I had encountered as a boy. It had left me both spiritually and physically hungry for something with more substance. But I didn't think I'd ever find love or be able to sustain it in the dog-eat-dog world of working-class Britain. But in my twenties I was transformed by love and it made me a better man. It's ancient history to you, but in the smouldering ruins of Nazi Germany, 70 years ago this month, I was married in Hamburg to a woman who brought Technicolor to my monochrome world. On August 16, 1947, I married Frida, and my odyssey with her didn't end until July 2nd, 1999, when she died in my arms from cancer. I find myself now, because this is my anniversary month, lingering over our wedding photos that preserve a moment in my life that changed my fate forever. I stare over the faces of the wedding guests and try to remember each word or joke they shared with me during that day. Of all those who enjoyed my wedding feast 70 years ago, I am its last living survivor. All of them now are dead, except in my memories and in my writings, where I have tried to bring them back to life for you. Because their dance to the music of time should not be forgot. So allow me today the indulgence to wade back through the thickets of my time by reading to you selections of my book, Love Among the Ruins. When Germany surrendered to the Allies in gutted Berlin, I was in Fuhlsbüttel, a northern suburb of Hamburg. At the time, I didn't think much about Fool's Bottle. I felt it was between nothing and nowhere. It was much like every other town our unit drove through during the dying days of the war. Nothing was out of place, and it was quiet, clean and as silent as a Sunday afternoon. Our squadron took up a comfortable residence in its undamaged aerodrome. During these first few days of peace, I was overwhelmed with a feeling of good fortune. It was really blind luck 
that I had endured. My survival was the mythical lucky dip at a fairground raffle. I was alive, while millions of combatants and civilians simply perished in this long and brutal conflict. On the days I was permitted to leave our base, I strolled until my legs ached, exploring my surroundings as if they were the ruins of Troy. To remain alive in 1945, the Germans were reduced to the most primitive form of commerce. They bartered and begged. And they did it in every imaginable location. I encountered Germans in back alleys or street corners or by the entrance to the train station, huddled in small groups, trading their heirlooms for food. In the beginning, I was emotionally detached from Germans and the destruction around me. Their suffering played as blandly as a sepia-toned newsreel at the Odeon Cinema. The immensity of the pain endured by both the innocent and the damned was too much for me to absorb. What lay outside of my privileged life in camp was a festering sore that fouled the air. I tried to keep my distance from the Germans and their troubles. This game ended for me on the day I travelled up Langenhorner Chaussee in Poolsbuttel. The street was a quiet and pleasant quarter that seemed immune from the tragedies unfolding all around it. It wasn't until I walked further up the road that I discovered no district in Germany was inoculated against hunger. On the other side of the street, a commotion was brewing between an elderly man and a young woman. They were haggling over the value of a silver fork for a packet of cigarettes. I loitered and observed them struggling to barter their way out of starvation and ruin. Suddenly I noticed a woman who made my heart and head stumble in aroused confusion. It appeared she was also bartering for food, but there was something different in her body language. It suggested to me a dignity and a pride that wouldn't yield to her circumstances. Extraordinary, I thought, and I said aloud, you are beautiful. Afterwards, I did something rash. 
I displayed a confidence I generally lacked, unless full of beer. I barged into that young woman's life. It was reckless, it was foolish, and perhaps it was even desperate. It also proved the extent of my loneliness. I must have left a favorable impression because Frida agreed to meet me for a picnic the following week. So began my slow and irresolute courtship with this extraordinary German woman. Perhaps the term woman was too advanced because she was only a teenager. However, at 17, Frida had more style, sophistication and charm than anyone I had ever met. She possessed a sense of mystery because there was something unknowable and impenetrable about her personality. Over our years together, it was Frida that taught me the only currency that never devalues us is love. So embrace it when it comes and accept it when it goes. Remember each of our lives are unique canvases that we must fill with purpose, passion and love because there is only one chance we get at life. So on the anniversary of my wedding 70 years ago, I will dine alone, listen to the music my wife and I once danced to when we were young. I will look at the wedding pictures with a joyful melancholy in the knowledge that my wife and I drank life to the leaves. I am the last survivor of that wedding party held in the heat of August, in the shadow of that ruined city of Hamburg. So remember, we will all soon be ghosts. Don't bugger up your time on this earth with pettiness or cruelty. Remember, we are our brother's keepers. Tara, I am Harry Leslie Smith. <laughs>